welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is freaking hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, lovely people. Welcome to episode one of season two of the Unteachables podcast. I haven't been around for a couple of months because as most of you probably know, if you've been following my podcast, I went off and had a baby and she is currently um, strapped to my chest like a little koala. And that's how I get through most of my days. And that's how I get any work done whatsoever. I was really worried about navigating a life after having a baby, not sure kind of how I was going to do the things that I love doing, like this podcast, like my Instagram, like the courses and all of that stuff. I didn't really know what that was going to look like. Um, but you know, she's two months old now and little by little, we've been working it out together and she's fast asleep on my chest right now. We've got that little nap time. So I'm like, you know what? these are the times where I can do the podcast. This is what I can do to kind of help my mental health as well, because this work does mean a lot to me. And when I think about self-care as a mum, it's about doing things that fill my cup as well. And this fills my cup. And obviously the podcast is something that's really important. So I'm back and I've got this little PA with me and I don't think there's anything more special than that because she was in my belly when I started the podcast and now she's out in the world and she's here with me still. So it's a lovely thing. So if you hear any little coos during it, if you hear any cries, if I stop it randomly, um, you know, if it's not overly polished, there's a reason for that. It's because I'm doing, doing my very best um, navigating this new life post baby. Anyway, so I asked on Instagram what you would like to hear for season two. And there were a couple of things that popped up. And one of them was my career progression and journey through from being a beginning teacher to then being a senior leader and some of those experiences that shaped me as an educator today. So I thought that I would start with that episode, like that as the first episode, because I thought that was like a really nice place to start. People who haven't listened to the podcast before, that might be a good way to introduce myself. Um, and there's a lot of people who are really interested in hearing about what a progression from, you know, a beginning teacher to senior leader would be like and how to kind of go through those, those steps. So I thought I would do that for this episode. So let's get started right from the beginning. So I started teaching, oh God, I think 12 or 13 years ago. I got my first teaching job on a bit of a whim, to be honest. It wasn't planned. Um, I worked at a pub. <laughs> I was chronically disorganized at uni because I had so much going on in my life. I was working multiple jobs and I was experiencing a bit of trauma. Um, it was a really difficult time of my life. And to be honest, that time of my life is like predominantly wiped from my memory. So I hadn't organized my prac. I hadn't organized a school to go to and everybody else had gotten themselves sorted. And it just obviously didn't really register with me. Um, so the practical experience where you actually go into schools, and this was in my final year of uni as well. So this first school that I was at kind of just fell into my lap in a way. I was working at a pub at the time um, and one of the people who worked at the school 
came in every now and again for a drink and I served them and I got to know them. Obviously it was a very small town and they said, okay, come and do your prac at my school. And it was something that I was so grateful for looking back now because that school completely shaped the teacher I am. And a lot of the stuff that's in the course that I run, um, it was because I got such incredible training and experience at the school that I started at. So this first year at this school, it was incredibly hard. The context of the school is that it's a low socioeconomic area of Western Sydney. There's lots of behavior issues. Like intuitively, I did try to put behaviors, um, relationships first. I tried to care about the human first. I knew there were difficulties behind the behaviors and, you know, like that was something that I tried to place in the center of everything that I did, but I didn't know how to do this. You know, I didn't have the skills to actually execute classroom management in a way that was effective. I didn't know about the why behind behavior. I didn't know what else to try other than fall back on my own experiences of education and discipline. There was something that one of my, um, mentor said to me at the time, and it was, Claire, most of the students you're teaching are just walking around with PTSD. And I guess that was the first time ever that I put two and two together of, wow, like these kids that are in my classroom right now, there's more going on here. There's something going on that I need to be addressing. But yeah, I just didn't know what to do with that information really. We just don't get taught how to deal with that. So because of my values around teaching and well-being, I tried to put things in place. I did everything that I could. I was trying to kind of mold and shape my practice to be a little bit more um, relationally based naturally and intuitively. But at the end of my first year of teaching, because I was trying my very best to do, and I did have success in my classes because I was kind of trial and erroring with different um, ways of developing relationships. And so I did have good success in my classes, but it was mainly because I was, it was like, you know, hammering a nail into everything. It was just, I'm just going to try to love bomb these kids. I'm going to try to put the relationship first. I'm going to try to do everything that I possibly can right now to make them feel like they belong. So I didn't really have a lot of strategies under my belt, but what I did do was put the relationship first and really try to like these kids and care about these kids, even if their behaviors were really, really challenging. So that's all I was doing really. But because of that, and because of the success I was having in my classes with these kids who were very challenging, um, at the end of my first year of teaching, I applied for a year advisor position and I was successful in this. And a year advisor role for those who aren't in Australia, it would be like a head of department role. So not head of department, but a head of year role. Um, I think it's called in other places where you are kind of in charge of that particular year group. So we called it the positive psychology team um, and we wanted to approach this model of well-being at the school differently. So along with this model, we had positive psychology lessons that we taught to our students. And this was all about kind of upskilling our students to understand their minds and regulation and what behavior was and how to make changes. Um, And that was quite ahead of its time because I don't think a lot of schools were thinking about social and emotional learning at the time. They were still kind of really thinking about things in a traditional kind of punitive way. So, and of course we still had a punitive model at the school, but the way we're approaching wellbeing was quite exciting at the time, was really different. But in order for us as the year advisors to teach the positive psychology lessons, we needed to be upskilled ourselves because as I said, there wasn't a lot that I knew about that at the time. I was just going with my gut and intuition, um, which is a lot of behavior management, to be honest, just going with your gut and intuition and trying to be that kind of person that's there for them. So this next 
kind of thing happened that shaped me as an educator hugely because I had the opportunity to go to training that was called choice theory reality therapy training with the other year advisors and that was kind of to get us upskilled in what we needed to do for the job and I think it was about six intensive days of training from memory but yeah it was just career changing and why I talk about some of those foundational concepts in my course that'll teach them as well because those things that I learned really shaped everything that I now do. It was the foundation of everything that I do. So that's why I start that'll teach them with the first module around choice theory. So the choice theory training we did was absolutely incredible. And to this day, I am so grateful for that particular training. And the best way that I can explain kind of what choice theory reality therapy is, well, not all of it because there's so much to it, but some of the core kind of principles is that all behaviors are purposeful. There's a reason behind it. And it's driven by our perpetual journey to satiate our basic needs. And along with this, it's kind of like digs down into how to have conversations with students and get them to a place where they're thinking about what's beneath those behaviors and our real why. Um, So I was then armed with this new knowledge and my eyes were open about what behavior is and how we can really start to shift things for our students. And it wasn't just my students' behavior. I got such an insight into my own behavior and it kind of, because I, as I said just before, I experienced a lot of trauma myself and I wasn't in a great place when I started teaching and I've gone on a bit of a, like a journey of healing um, over the last decade, but that really opened my eyes to my own behaviors and what was driving them and what I needed to do to try to, sorry, my baby is jiggling around on my chest. Um, (laughs) Being a mom, it's just your mind is always on that little thing that's in front of you, isn't it? Um, So anyway, I was armed with this new knowledge and I was able to work on the most incredible team of like-minded teachers and one being my best friend, Carly. And oh my God, like I will always cherish the time spent working with her and we're just creating these exciting lessons that supported the well-being and behavior shifts in our students and we called it poo corning she was the corn in the poo that special little something and um yeah it was just so fun to collaborate on these things but that particular time in that role it was amazing and in that role I grew tremendously it was like yeah it was I was going to use a very inappropriate kind of reference um, to explain it, but I just grew tremendously and I was running whole school training. I was organizing lessons for the whole staff group. Um, I was organizing transition days, planning and running assemblies. So when this job came up in my second year of teaching to be the head teacher of teaching and learning at the school and learning support, I felt like, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I never thought that I would um, get the job. I was not experienced. It was a middle leadership kind of head of department role, by the way. It was ambitious. And the role required me to manage a team of 12 learning support teachers and assistants, manage a huge learning support budget for a school. Like the school had over a thousand students. Um, So it was organizing and timetabling and staffing the support for all of those students, the referrals, liaising with all provisions, managing the transition between schools, um, upskilling staff on additional needs, like the whole staff group, writing and revising learning support plans, um, creating processes to do this annually with 200 students because so many of our students required additional 
learning supports. And yeah, the list goes on. And I spent days and days writing the most wicked application because I knew that in that role um, that I was doing prior, I knew that I had so much experience. Um, I knew that I'd kind of aligned my values with the role that I wanted to go for. And yeah, I just worked hard on my interview prep and I was supported by my mentor in practicing and mock interviews and I freaking got the job and I was there chucked in the deep end. But again, this was a time of rapid, 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 rapid growth. I mean, it was rapid growth, not just professionally, but it was personally just in terms of upskilling around additional needs and behavior and mentoring teachers and organization, um, oh gosh, the first time I wrote a timetable for my team, I just could not get my brain around it. I was at home on my dining table, like this huge table. I had poster notes with every staff member's name, with every student's name in different colors. It was absolutely diabolical. But this role, I feel, put me years ahead in experience in a lot of ways, Um, but also a bit behind because I was still at that time trying to hone my craft in the classroom. And this was my second year of teaching. And this was like a minimal teaching role. So I think I had one class and and it was actually a non-teaching role. So I requested to have at least one class to be back in the, in the classroom. So after doing that for two years, I decided to go back into classroom teaching and my year advisory role. And I also worked with the most incredible team of English teachers who I still miss today. Of course, I loved working in the capacity I was working in when I was in middle leadership. I loved work. I love working in the capacity of senior leadership. Um, you know, leadership is something that's really incredible and amazing in its own way. But I feel like my heart aches for those belly laughs in the staff room and that feeling of camaraderie and support from the people that you spend more time with than most of your family. Um, However, that work environment, I won't say too much about it, but it was very toxic. So I had to make my exit after dealing with it for probably one too many years or two too many years. And I was also in the midst of a very toxic relationship that I also was planning my exit from. But you know how these things are. Both relationships with the school and a partner can gaslight you and can be very difficult to break free of. So I left the school without a plan without a job, without knowing if I wanted to still be a teacher. I was burnt out and I was disillusioned by the system. Um, it was not the kids. It was never the kids. It was, yeah, it was a system. I found uh, it was incredibly difficult. And I know that a lot of you listening now and feel free to reach out on my Instagram if you're experiencing this and you want to just have a chat about it. Um, if you want to feel a bit of camaraderie around it, because I know that it's hard to speak about this with other people, feel free to reach out. So after all of this incredible experience, after, you know, in a very short amount of time going to a year advisory role, going to a head of department role and managing so many staff, then going back into the classroom, continuing my year advisor role, I left the school and I started casual teaching. I started supply teaching. And what a weird step. It wasn't a step back. I would never, ever say that anything in my career was a step back. I would say that it was a step to the side (laughs) and just having a break from the intensity of full-time teaching. I had no idea what I wanted to do. It was the best break ever. I slotted in with this amazing team where I could just go in for the day. I could just go home. Um, It was wonderful. And yeah, I had constant supply teaching from this one school, which was amazing because if you do casual work and you're half decent, 
a school will just say come in every single day you know so it was pretty amazing i hope you can hear my little baby making cute cute sounds she's um that's her little contribution to the podcast for the day anyway so during this time i finally hit a breaking point in my relationship and i finally got the courage to leave him and move out um with nowhere to live i <laughs> i just had finished like you know left my job i had now left my relationship. I had nothing kind of going on in Sydney anymore. And I'd always wanted to go to London. So I thought, stuff it. I've literally got nothing tying me here anymore. I have no job. I've got no home. Let's just do this. So that night I decided to apply for my work visa. I booked a one-way flight to London. Like literally that night I just did it. I'm like, stuff this. I need a new start. I need to do something else with my life. I sold my car. And I dedicated every day of my life to saving as much money as I possibly could. And from the moment I made my decision to leaving the country, it was three months. So from the moment I broke up with my partner, from the moment that I um, decided to go to London, it was only three months and it was the best decision of my life. I still didn't know at that time if I wanted to be in teaching anymore. Um, so I got on the plane, I joined a teaching agency. I just thought, you know what, I'll do a bit of casual teaching. I'll make money. I, they set me up with all of the documents that I need for tax and all the rest of it. So I made my transition to London easy. Um, and yeah, I just didn't know what to do. I just wanted to travel and just have no responsibility. So yeah, casual teaching was going to work really well for me. Um, but can I just say that this is proof that you can take time off and still slot back into teaching and be very successful in your career? Because I get that question a lot. What happens if I decide to take a break? What happens if I don't want to teach anymore and I leave teaching and then I decide I want to come back? There's no rules around it. You can, of course, decide to go back into teaching if you if your heart's call, and obviously this is what my heart, like this is, this is what my purpose is. Teaching is my purpose. T training teachers is my purpose. So I needed that break to be able to realign myself with that and remember why I was in the profession. So never be afraid just to go, I just need a bit of a break, mate. I just need to step away and come back with, you know, a new vision and a new purpose and, um, new energy. Anyway, so I went to Rome um, and I met one of, oh, Chiara, actually. I met Chiara in Rome. If you listen to my podcast, you'll know that I did the episodes um, with her at the start of season one. We had that history class together, that diabolical history class. Um, so yeah, I met her in Rome and I got this call and they said, do you want to do a week at this school? And um, it was a school that was an SEMH school, so social, emotional, mental health needs, um, which is, you know, just complex behaviors as well. And I thought to myself, oh God, I just don't know if I want to go back into a role where I am dealing with really tough behaviors. I don't know if I want to do it, but I'm like, stuff it. I, I need the money. I'll do a week there, whatever. I have, you know, have some time when I get back from Rome. And that ended up being the school that I stayed at. It is a specialist provision with students for social, emotional, mental health needs. And obviously it's in complete alignment with what I want to do. And this is the work that I do. And I was only there for a year before I became a senior leader. So I jumped from not knowing if I wanted to be in the profession anymore at all to being a senior leader of a school 
in a year. Um, and I think it was because I found my purpose in teaching again. I got to work with incredible teachers, building their capacity and training and developing a curriculum that is creative and is designed to be engaging and relevant for students, especially those who have fallen through the cracks of mainstream and have experienced failure in the system. Um, yeah, so it just obviously aligned completely with that. And then I started the Unteachables during the pandemic because it was something that I'd wanted to do for years. I remember saying in my fifth year of teaching, and obviously fifth year, like that's not overly experienced still, but I saw this gap and I said, one day I would love to run training for teachers on behavior management and wellbeing. And after finding that purpose again, I have been able to make it happen and it just fuels me. And with the Unteachables, I feel like I have created work that I can do that's in complete alignment with my purpose and values, where I can do what I am most passionate about, which is supporting and empowering teachers just to nail classroom management, especially with those really hard to reach and hard to teach students. Um, so it's really funny the kind of the journey that I've gone on with not knowing I've wanted to be a teacher anymore and then going, oh crap, yes, of course I want to be a teacher. Like this is obviously what I want to do with my life. And now I'm a mum. And this is something that works for me so much because even though Avery is only nine weeks old, um, I'm here, I'm taking care of her, but I still have my passion and my purpose and I'm able to do the work that I'm driven by around her and her nap. So I can still be the mum that I need to be. I can still be present for her every second she needs me to be present, but I'm also able to be the Claire that I am and still do this work. So I think that the journey to being a senior leader and then the journey to studying the unteachables and every single little piece of the puzzle between, you know, starting teaching and now has just fallen so into place for me. And, um, yeah, in terms of like my mental health being a mum, I think it's just worked so well. Anyway, so back to career progression. I've got a few pieces of advice because I think that I go off on tangents and obviously it's episode one of season two and my mum brain is in full force and I'm trying my very best to clear everything out of there and do this podcast in the best way that I possibly can. Um, so back on track, a few pieces of advice that I would give to anybody who is looking to progress through their career Anybody who has aspirations to do roles beyond classroom teaching, just make sure you are working in complete alignment with your why and just choose roles that align with your values, with what you want to do in education and how you envision that. Because every single role that I have taken, I have done so with a clear understanding of where my passion lies. Um, teacher support and development, that is my bag and around classroom management um, and challenging behaviours. And it's led me here. It's led me to a life where I am so grateful to be able to work at home. Obviously, I still have my full-time job, but, you know, work at home during this time and do something that's totally aligned with my purpose. And if you don't know what that purpose is just yet, you will just, you know, keep on going through teaching and your niche will kind of come up. Uh, next piece of advice, a bit of advice number two, don't be afraid to throw your hat in the ring. If it's something that you know you would love to do, even if you feel grossly unqualified, even if you think that you've got way too much imposter syndrome, oh my gosh, I was drowning in imposter syndrome and it was not all smooth sailing, but throw your hat in the ring. Just do it because you don't know where it's going to lead you. And every bit of experience in that way is really good experience. So don't be afraid of that. Lastly, just get comfortable 
sitting in the discomfort. You will be deep in the learning pit again, 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 and again, and again, as you take on new roles and try new things, but it is so worth it. And it absolutely shapes you as an educator. It really, really does. So get comfortable with the discomfort just throw your hat in the ring and then just align yourself with your purpose and your why. If you do that, you don't have to like go gung ho with absolutely everything um, and freak out about wanting to progress because things will naturally happen. Doors do open when you're aligned with your purpose. Doors do open if you just like head to the ground working towards that vision. And yeah, I truly, truly believe that. And it kind of came around for me. I tried to get out of teaching. I've pulled away from it and it just kept pulling me back in. So, um, don't be afraid to go and have a break if you need it as well, because if I stayed in the position that I was in and didn't have that break, I highly doubt that I would have had the energy to continue on. I probably wouldn't have gotten to the point where I was back in and starting the unteachables and, and living something that I would call a dream at the moment, being able to do this work. So have the break if you need it. It's all good. So I hope that was insightful and I hope it gave you a little bit of um, an insight into my journey and a bit of who I am as a person and a teacher. Um, If you're looking for a sign to go for that job or take a leap of faith or have a break or make a change, do it. This is your sign. Just do what works for you, what feels right for you. And it has never, ever failed me. And you've stuck it out all the way to the end of the first episode of season two of the Unteachables podcast. So thank you for listening to me ramble on about myself and my career. I always feel a little bit funny about sharing things about myself, Um, but you asked for my journey in teaching. So I really do appreciate that. And I hope you got something out of it. And my little girl made it right to the end of this episode as well, because the second I started to do my, um, like wrap it up for the, for the episode, her eyes sprung open and she's now making teeny little sounds. So I better get going. If you did get something out of today's episodes, uh, make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes downloaded, ready for your commute to work. And it would also mean so, so much, especially because I've had a little bit of a break in between. Uh, If you dropped me a review, unless it's a negative one, you can keep those to yourself. (laughs) I'm only joking. Um, Anyway, I will see you next Tuesday, everybody. Have a lovely week. 